The We're LCC podcast is a monthly show that comes out on the 9th of every month. But if you hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app, you'll never need to remember that because the show will automatically be there. So go ahead and hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app now. We are LCC, a podcast emanating from the halls of Lower Canada College on Royal Avenue in Montreal. Here's alumni officer Christine Jones. Today, we have the pleasure of having Natalie Valand join us. Natalie's been working outside the traditional real estate box for the last 20 years, and here today to talk about how her social work background has helped her create a unique vision and the importance of striving onwards when the path to success is not always evident. So Natalie, I wanted to welcome you very much to the We Are LCC community podcast. I uh, would just love you to start by telling us a little bit about sort of how you ended up in the career that you are in. So what I currently do professionally is I am a real estate developer that is also a B Corp, which means that we are a socially mission profit oriented uh, real estate developer here in Montreal. Initially, uh, repositioning heritage assets, uh, repositioning them for employment zones here in Montreal. So we became real advocates for maintaining older heritage buildings, uh, creating employment zones, and really looking at climate change uh, to try to figure out how buildings could actually be used to serve people as opposed to just profit, which we do want to have as well. It's like some people think that we're nonprofits, but we're we're not. You can actually have responsible capitalism and do do things a little bit different um, and show uh, leadership that you could use the market economy to be able to solve things and do well for the community around you. What my pathway to get here was, which is kind of a little bit more funny. So initially, I really wanted to work for UNICEF. So my parcours uh, for education was really based on uh, going to McGill, getting my poli sci and African studies degree, which I really, really enjoyed. And then uh, I got called out a little bit by some friends who were saying, you know, maybe you should help and do things in Montreal and not always look all all over the world to to make some sort of impact. So I um, started working uh, for different nonprofit organizations as a volunteer and then ended up getting hired by the YMCA in the West Island, working for um, different kinds of at-risk youth groups. Really, really loved working for the community. And then I ended up going back to McGill and getting my social work degree, where I ended up working at the Montreal General Hospital in Trauma Intensive Care and Burn Victims. Oh, wow. I like challenges. When my dad got sick, my dad is an architect and a real estate developer. He has Parkinson's disease. Uh, So he asked me to come and take over his business. And I said, uh, social work and real estate are diametrically opposed careers. So if I'm going to come and do that, which was supposed to be a little bit temporary for one year, I believe I'm in my 24th year. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I guess it became a little bit more permanent, um, but I decided to use real estate to be able to continue with the value uh, proposition that I wanted to have in my career. So I, I work with communities doing a lot of stuff around carbon neutrality and net zero and social empowerment. Cool stuff. So basically, my long answer is mm-hmm. I love trouble. <laughs> and I think it's really exciting to be able to use different kinds of educational opportunities to, to make your career better. Mm-hmm. You didn't feel when you were making the switch from social work to temporarily helping your dad out that you were leaving something that you were passionate about behind. 
Oh, I absolutely did. (laughs) (laughs) But I realized that whatever decisions or or, um, roads that lead you down in your career, you don't have to leave behind what you already have created. It's, It's a foundation on who you are and what you know. And it's incredible when you realize now everyone talks about social inclusion and diversity while well, working in, in different um, social work backgrounds, but also having an African degree. It's almost second nature that all the things that you've learned pile up to where you are today. So you're not losing anything. You're just changing your direction. And I think that as long as you continue with the values that you believe strongly in your career, you don't actually have to make a choice. You can have an and as opposed to an or. Right. So you're, it's, yeah, you're continuing down your path and you're just making some sort of shifts along the way based on what's coming at you, but you're never going to leave behind, as you mentioned, the values that you had and why you were doing it in the first place. Yeah, I think that that's really um, even more so apparent in my life when I um, got married and had children, uh, because I really wanted to uh, be a role model for them. You know, could you use business as a force of good? Could you do things better today than you did yesterday? Could you lead with respect and making sure that you continue to make market rate profits? Because, you know, we all like to send our kids to great schools and go on vacations and and do all those fun, wonderful things. But I just saw a lot of uh, companies who were working in the market capital economy, you know, making some pretty interesting decisions about their business and then, you know, creating like a nonprofit organization or a philanthropy trust where they would actually do the things that they really wanted to do um, and help communities and things like that. For us, I think it's really important to blend those two together, starting by not doing harm, but also can you do better than just providing a service that potentially cause damage to the environment or to the communities that are around you? Right. Yeah. Not just leaving it status quo, like, okay, we're going to do something and try not to screw up the environment, but how can you take it to the next level and make things better? I mean, do you think people find that daunting? Like whether your people are changing their business or, you know, starting something new or fresh out of school, I think everybody in theory is saying, oh, we have to do well for the environment. Let's make this, our business sustainable. Is that a big challenge for a lot of different companies and people, do you find? Well, the the cool thing is that I've been doing this um, for 25 years and finally it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) You're finally trendy now. (laughs) It's so funny. They're like, you're so trendy. It's like, I've been doing this a long time. But I guess (laughs) hang hang in there long enough, uh, you know, the fashion will come in. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) go in your closet, pull out things that are eventually cool again. But I, I do think that people overthink how hard it is to do sustainability things. And I think that it's a, it's a bit of an excuse, you know, it's too complicated. I don't know how to do it. Uh, whatever. I, it really just starts by very simple measures. Like I remember when, you know, people started having the whole opportunity to do this blue box thing, you know, recycle in your home and people were like, I can't do this. This is so complicated. And now, you know, it's part of what we do. Right. I would challenge businesses and I guess people who are going into businesses to to rethink how we can use products or materials or packaging. If you look like a long time ago, uh, like we renovated a church. I know that's kind of funny, but 
domes uh, that built that building were taken from the Lachine Canal as an excavation when they were building the canal. And so they took those stones and built a building with it. Why do we now have to demolish a building and then go into a quarry, take brand new stones and build that building that you just demolished two seconds ago with new stones? So can we look at things a little bit more circular? Could we look at what is the impact and the damages that we're doing to our community? But all jests. You don't have to do everything. So I think people think that things are daunting and they just don't have to like, and you don't have to be perfect. You just have to do something better. So. Which is actually a great message. I mean, for a lot of people either in transition in their career or students or or young, young alumni that might be listening, it's like progress, not perfection. I think everybody is so focused on the top and uh, so much pressure, but we can take away a bit of the pressure and have it just be little steps at a time. So what I like to tell my daughters is it's about the journey. You don't actually know where you're going to end up. And the people who like start very young and like, I want to be a, I don't know, engineer. Let's say you want to be an engineer and they like this like complete linear view. I think that's awesome if they want to go after that as an example, but I can't imagine that that is a large majority of the population, especially at our girls' ages getting, you know, into higher levels of education or whatever. Like, did you really know when you were younger, like what, where you were going to be today <laughs> and wherever you thought you were going to be? Are you there? Are you somewhere else? So I just feel like we put a lot of pressure even on on kids more so even today about making decisions about, you know, where they're going to go to school and what they're going to study. And I think if I can give any kind of message, the things that I studied are not necessarily what I'm physically doing in my career, but everything I studied makes me better at my career because I studied it. So I think it's really exciting that there are so many opportunities out there, but there's so many choices that it becomes very daunting. And then you get like paralyzed and stuck because you're like, I don't know what to choose. So I think that if you look back at high school and Sejab and university, like these were great times. So yes, you should do as best as you can in whatever you want to do, but try stuff out. You know, it's totally cool to take something that's completely out of where your linear thinking is about where you want your career to be because it just benefits you. It makes you a better person. It makes you a more holistic person. It makes you think outside the box and it makes you better at what you're going to end up doing in your career anyway. So, right. And I mean, you're a perfect example about that, given your, you know, your undergrad in African politics and then your move to social work and then having to, you know, jump into the real estate business sort of unbeknownst to you at that time. And going back to your comment before about it's trendy now, but at the time it was not. So were there any specific, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of uphill battles, but challenges or resistance, you must've met people along the way that you needed to help you in terms of continuing on in the business. And so how, how was that for you and what kind of things did you face and how did it make you sort of better in the long run? Honestly, the funny answer is that no one helped. (laughs) (laughs) or like friends and family who were like, this is really fun, whatever. Most very entrenched industries don't want to change. It's working and it's fine. So like, what are you causing some issues around? Right. Yeah. Why rock the boat? 
And I think that's like in any industry for the record. And I know that we all now talk about innovation, thinking outside the box. I don't even know what box we're talking about. <laughs> like, what box? Like, I just probably I can't see the box because I don't allow. <laughs> You're already outside the box. It's like, oh, there's no box. I think what's really, really important is now being 50 years old and looking backwards, instead of looking at all the people that supported me, which were super important in my base and whatever, the people that totally disagreed with me helped me a lot too. Every time that someone said I couldn't do something, it it became like, oh yeah, okay, like Uh. go at it, you know? And sometimes they would tell you why you would fail which I think you need to hear really loud and clear um, because that becomes like my workbook, you know? Oh, I can't, I can't do this because I can't finance it. Great. Let's figure out how do we finance it? Um, We can't do this because the business model doesn't work. Okay. Let's figure that. No one will want to work for you. Like, well, all of a sudden you have all these awesome employees who are coming from other companies who have quit their career to come and work with you. So it's almost like sometimes when you're around people who disagree with you, it's actually better because it pushes you further. However, you do need the backing of people who really care. <laughs> you don't feel really crappy about yourself. Right. Um, but I hope that people understand that when we disagree with each other, it pushes the conversation further. So maybe not look at someone who disagrees with you as like a personal setback, but almost like as what is my next assignment? Like a bit of a challenge almost to say, well, what's the the next move, I guess? For me, it was. At the time, however, <laughs> it is daunting when there's a lot of people who think that you're not going to do what you're wishing to do. But that's in any career, any startup, you know, if you're going to a professional path, like a, you know, a consultant or um, an expert in whatever industry, or if you're going into entrepreneurship, or if you're going into you know, politics or whatever, there will be people who will tell you that you're not good at what you're doing and that it's never going to work. And, but that you, you should use that to empower you. Right. Did you ever feel like you wanted to give up or were you always sort of, you had this internal fire that was always knew that you were going to make it? I would love to be able to say, I always knew I was going to make it. And I can tell you, I'm probably the other one where I was just too stubborn to give up. Like I always talk about failure, failure is just not continuing, right? Going like, oh, I failed. Well, sometimes when you think that you're going to go a certain pathway and you go into a different one, does that mean I failed? Or does it mean that I learned that that road didn't work and I'm going over here? So I know that it became very cool and sexy at one point to talk about failure and, you know, moving forward to fail and like fail fast and all this stuff that was coming out there. But I like to look at it as a different way. And I I like to use the word pivot. So if something doesn't work, it doesn't mean that your idea doesn't work. It just means that the iteration of your idea didn't work. You know, and even if I look at the kids that are trying to figure out, you know, what's the greatest grade you could get in in, in an exam or whatever, I kind of see it as a way of um, being able to mark your improvement. Right? Like, again, my motto with the progress rather than perfection. When you get like hit when you're down, like it's about resilience. And your question is like, did I ever think of giving up? Like, I can't even count how many times. Like, well, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. But then I always 
um, make sure that I go to sleep before I make a ridiculous decision. And sometimes you're just tired. The day has like kind of beaten you down and then go to bed and you wake up in the next morning and you're like, well, what do I want to do? And you just keep going. So I think it's more about resilience and pivoting than anything else. I think anyone who's listening (laughs) could look at maybe something that was really difficult for them and then use that as a force for being able to get over whatever is a roadblock or use that to become stronger, you know, watch out. Like that's the great part with that is don't make any kind of crazy rash decisions when you're tired. Yeah, it's so true. No, it's honestly such great advice for, I mean, many people and especially those on their paths where stuff isn't always evident. I love that. And just tell people, go to bed. <laughs> Let's revisit this tomorrow. Nap at your desk for 10 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, uh... It's so true. So do you now in, in all of your going back to a bit of like the real estate and the good work that you do involving your projects, do you always try to incorporate sort of a bit of this public purpose to it? Could you tell us a little bit about what a green lease is and just a little bit of the, the sort of technical details involved in the actual projects? You always give me like three questions for the I know. <laughs> I've just been thrown into this myself. So (laughs) you can answer them one at a time and I can repeat them. Pivot, pivot, right? Here we are. Yes, pivoting. (laughs) What I do, it's pretty simple. I have buildings and I rent space, right? That's pretty easy uh, and, and mundane. But if you look at what it is that your company stands for and how you give yourself a competitive edge, like there's a lot of buildings. So why would people rent from me and not you as an example? And by the way, there's a lot of room for different kinds of buildings and different kinds of building owners, which is really exciting. So there's room for everyone, for the record. What do I like to do? I like to actually make sure that what I do for a living and then when I go home are the same kind of worlds. So I like to run my business in a way that that my values are aligned with what I'm doing. We have gone on to this whole ESG thing, but before it was called CSR and before that it was called empowerment, like there's lots of different words and and, uh, catchphrases around things, but 38% of the global carbon footprint is associated to what they call the built environment, which are buildings. That's a huge chunk. And if we're talking about the effects of greenhouse gases and climate change, you probably have seen even in Montreal, these crazy weather that you know, storms that we've been having in the last little while. Uh, Climate change is here. It's real. You can argue with me if you'd like, but it does exist. And therefore, what am I doing about it? So uh, what we do is the leases that we have for our clients that are uh, commercial clients, because we also now have a division for residential where we're building uh, low carbon, affordable and accessible apartments. But the commercial leases that you're talking about, we actually require tenants to recycle, compost, and distribute their waste in a room that we call our Enviro room. And we put video cameras in our garden areas. And people were like, no one's going to sign your lease. You're a psycho. And, (laughs) you know, why are you doing this? And I said, well, at the end of the day, if you look at the amount of things that we throw out, I just feel that as a building owner, first of all, private owners have to pay garbage. So let's just be clear. Okay. 
And I think what's really important is to be able to look at your costs. You can actually save money by reducing your garbage. And then we got really into composting and recycling and also using materials like in our leases, you can go into your um, office space and demolish all of your office sections. You actually have to ask permission for those things. And then what we try to do is we work um, with architects and the different tenants that are here to reconfigure what they want to make their space individually and work well for their workflow. But is there a way that if we do have to demolish a wall, as an example, could we reuse that door somewhere else? Could we um, look at things a little bit differently by putting it into the lease, making that as our baseline? Like, have we evicted it because they didn't compost? No, but we do have conversations with their cleaning crews And because sometimes the president of the company who signed that lease hasn't yet spoken to the people who are doing the cleanup on a Sunday night. So um, I think it just becomes your lease is like a a working document that could at least set the stage for what is it that we want as acceptable behavior in our buildings. So I get excited about waste and garbage. (laughs) Well, the way that you talk about it, it does make it very exciting. But no, it's amazing. It actually just goes back to what your values are as a human being. So what you're going to do in your own home with your family, well, why not do this elsewhere and just make it across the board? Like every little bit helps, right? Again, progress rather than perfection. You know, like I, you know, I still do things that are not necessarily a hundred percent perfect. I do, you know, have clothes and I don't, you know, I, I give away my clothes that I no longer work, you know, so you, you can't be perfect and you still want to be able to live your life. People don't want to modify their behavior necessarily all the time, but can you modify some behaviors that don't really matter? Like, do you care where you throw your garbage? Like, no, but why not just do it? Like it's simple. it's so true like keep it simple stupid right like (laughs) yeah you don't need to overthink anything but can you do something better than you did yesterday like don't throw away plastic bottles like no it's so true honestly you sum the you sum the whole thing up by just saying do better do better today than you did yesterday do better tomorrow than you did today and it's so i don't know so i think it's a it's simple but it's an amazing message well i think that Right now, our kids are growing up in a very um, difficult time with the amount of messages that are being thrown at them and not necessarily messages that even make sense or are backed up properly. Like it's, you know, if it doesn't catch your attention in 30 seconds, then like we don't even get the image. So the only thing that I could do is just hope that, you know, leadership that is out there could stop talking about stuff and just do more things, you know? So if like I can do it, then you could do it. I mean, in, in real estate, it, it's, it's a very um, rigid structure usually, but things are really changing because it's coming from, you know, the top down and the bottom up, like tenants, things that are better. Government is legislating carbon neutrality in buildings now. Like you just have to figure it out and we could pivot and we could, you know, we're very strong, intelligent human beings We should just not be afraid of change. No, that's so true. Or be afraid of change, but still wake up the next morning and attack it. (laughs) Right. Be afraid, go have a nap, and then deal with it the next day. (laughs) Have a good sleep, wake up. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that there's a lot of pressures on a lot of people. 
yeah. out there. And I think that if any message would be interesting today is, is you know, the, the LCC community, uh, including like who's in there right now, but also the alumni that are associated. And the fact that the school has been around for over a hundred years, like there's so much longevity on being able to do things better, right? You, you know, as a school, you, you've, you've adapted and moved and have not been afraid to have those difficult conversations about like, can we do things better? And, and look at the types of classes that you're now offering. Um, I mean, there's business classes and the ESS stuff that's going on in grade, like I think 10 and 11, like that didn't happen in my world. Like, no, 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 no. I think it's really exciting to see that a school uh, continues to pivot and provide a type of education where you can experiment with stuff. And I think that that's really exciting. It's true. I mean, it's been so great talking to you. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, any parting words that you have for us before we say goodbye? No, I mean, I, I think that the, the the people that are listening, I, I hope, are a diversified audience where you have, you know, either staff or students, or alum or whatever. I just think that uh, based on the different schools that I've been part of uh, with my my daughter's education. Um, I'm, I'm just really excited to be part of a community that has, you know, entrepreneurship and technical expertise. And, you know, you have drama and then you have like the science programs and there's something for everyone. And I'd like to see that people can take that concept and that mentality and realize that that's what happens in the business world too. You don't have to fit into a mold. Um, you could decide what you want to do, use a base, you know, of your foundation of your education and, and just really open your eyes and look to see what are the opportunities out there. Um, even if you have this, you know, linear path, what are you missing? How can you validate? How can you um, make things more interesting for you? And there's no wrong unless you're, you know, evil and don't do things to the world. I don't know, whatever, but there aren't like one way to success, you know? And by the way, many people have different definitions of success. Mm, good point. Yeah. And so what does success look like for you? I think that that could be something that would be interesting to take a look at. Yeah. What do you want? Because everyone is telling us what, what they want for us. Right. Or what they think we should have, but yeah. They'll say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> But you could take it with like a grain of salt and be like, this is really nice that you're caring for me enough to give me some sort of guidance and and incorporate that in, in how you can make that better for you in your life. So I'm just trying to put more positive in the world than negative because there's just, it's overwhelming out there. So um, I think it's really exciting to be able to have that foundation and support network to be able to try stuff out and go in different directions. And, and I mean, there's such an incredible community out there, like lean on it, call people, spend a day with someone. Like, what do you do? So true. No, it's great. You, you're doing amazing things. And I'm so happy that everyone's going to be able to hear your story. Thanks for listening to We Are LCC. For more, go to lcc.ca slash podcast. And remember to hit subscribe or follow on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.